to 15 Minutes of Fascism, a sadly topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. I'm Craig Johnson. This week, coming back to you with some news from the United States, Australia, Israel, Brazil, and India. In the United States, we have increasing evidence that the Proud Boys, uh, the organization that was uh, a big spearhead, a major part of the storming of the United States Capitol building on January 6th earlier this year, uh, is experiencing a you know major ideological shift a kind of splintering uh essentially they're dealing with what many of their leaders uh claim is they're being abandoned uh by trump and the mainstream republicans that they had really hitched their wagon to um in the 2016 election and also massively in the 2020 election and the subsequent attempted coup uh this is from the daily costs uh that uh, telegram accounts that telegram the um the, the secret messaging app um telegram accounts that have been leaked uh show that leaders of the proud boys are saying that they're preparing for a war uh an all-out war that's a quote uh, against their enemies, uh, which include obviously the left uh, and many people of color, but also uh, mainstream Republicans. Right. Uh, this is a pretty big ideological shift uh, for the Proud Boys. They had acknowledged that as, you know, fascists, they were working with a politician who was not a fascist, Donald Trump. Um, but now they're getting ready to potentially move against uh, their erstwhile uh, compatriots on the right wing. We're going to have to see how that shakes out. In other news in the United States, one of the commanding officers of the Space Force, yeah, you know, the, the new branch of the military that Donald Trump made, uh, this guy's name is Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Lohmeyer, uh, has been fired uh, for comments that he made uh, while on active duty uh, about, you know, Marxism taking over the United States military. Uh, these comments were made on a podcast uh, where he was promoting his self-published book, uh, whose title is just, you know, it's just amazing. Uh, the title is Irresistible Revolution, colon, Marxism's Goal of Conquest and the Unmaking of the American Military. What a mouthful, very eloquently phrased there, uh, Mr. Lohmeyer. Uh, in any case, uh, the argument of this book is pretty standard right-wing stuff, um, that Marxism, you know, whatever it is that he claims that is, he clearly has no idea, uh, is trying to take over the country. And how is it going to do that? Well, it's going to invade the sacred, sacrosanct parts of the country that is, you know, usually the church, the military, the government, all that sort of thing. Uh, how is Marxism invading the United States military? Well, through uh, inclusion and diversity, uh, essentially. Uh, this book is a pretty standard, like, anti-inclusion, you know, anti-wokeness screed. Um, and at a time when the United States military is, you know, trying to rebrand itself uh, in the wake of the Donald Trump administration, uh, that's not the kind of image that they want to present. However, it's extremely palatable to a lot of people who really love the United States military and also to a lot of people in the military. Remember that uh, the right wing uh, historically pretty much in every case uh, has the military as a major power base of theirs. And finally, lighter news in the United States. Remember uh, last week when I was talking about that letter that retired United States military personnel uh, submitted, you know, calling for the United States to have, well, essentially that they were saying that they were going to maybe stage a coup if the United States uh, didn't move in the direction of right-wing exclusionary nationalism. Um, they have been pranked uh, successfully uh, by somebody who got them to include as a signatory uh, his claimed identity, uh, and that would be uh, retired Naval Rear Admiral Jack Mihoff. 
Um, this is obviously a prank call name. Uh, it's specifically a reference to the movie Dumb and Dumber. Uh, General Poindexter, the person who organized this letter, uh, sent uh, the prankster a thank you email uh, and thanking him for, quote, standing tall. Uh, and that kind of shit, you just can't write that. That happened in the real world. That's not a joke that somebody made. And when you study the Red Wing, uh, you got to take the jokes where you can find them. Uh, but like I say in the header, this is a sadly topical podcast. We're going to have to return to sad news. Uh, turning to Australia, uh, we have increasing evidence that um, Australia is shutting out of not just anybody, but but like residents and citizens of Australia uh, are essentially not being allowed to return to the country. And that is disproportionately affecting uh, people who had family or, you know, who had a reason to leave the country during the pandemic, you know, to take care of an elder, um, to find or reunite themselves with children, uh, to care for somebody who had COVID in another country. Um, this uh, draconian policy of no entry or in the of like extremely, extremely seriously reducing the number of people who are even allowed to quarantine in an attempt to return to Australia is disproportionately affecting uh, Australians of non-white ethnicities, Australians who have citizenships in other countries, you know, we're talking the Philippines, China, Korea, India. Uh, this is part of a larger term nationalist turn uh, in Australian politics. Uh, that is something that I'm going to have to talk uh, a little bit more about in coming episodes. Additionally, we have news uh, from Israel. Obviously, if you've been following the news um out of Israel and Palestine over the last several weeks, uh, you will, I hope, be as disgusted as I am uh, with what is transpiring there. Um, politically, uh, we see that this is partly a result of uh, ongoing uh, prime minister negotiations uh, on the part of current Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, uh, who has been the prime minister for over 15 years. Uh, however, he has failed in his attempt to um, create a new political coalition. Uh, that will enable him to retain that office. And so it's very possible um, that this particular um, nationalistic invasion, uh, these killings uh, ongoing in Palestine, uh, which even even milquetoast Joe Biden is increasingly acknowledging are uh, beyond the pale, um, that they are an expression of this uh, political motivation uh, in order to maintain power, uh, in addition to being an expression of decades of violence uh, perpetrated against the people of Palestine. Elsewhere in the world, in uh, Brazil and India, uh, both Bolsonaro and Modi, uh, other right-wing ideologues, right-wing strongmen, are being beset by COVID problems. Uh, Bolsonaro is, of course, uh, facing an upcoming hearing uh, in the Brazilian national government uh, regarding his handling of the COVID crisis. Uh, meanwhile, Bolsonaro is essentially using the same, uh, the same playbook that Trump had been using near the end of his presidency, essentially claiming that, you know, uh, this whole thing, well, is not a hoax, but is, you know, get over it, people die, blah, blah, blah. It's not such a big deal. Modi in India is dealing with what is currently the largest COVID outbreak on earth. Uh, and it's possible that uh, it will turn out to have been the largest and most deadly of any anywhere uh, by the time things finally settle down. Um, I do not claim to be an expert on this, um, but on a political note, uh, this means that Modi is facing serious challenges, um, not just from the center, not just from the left, uh, but on the right amongst conservatives. Uh, people are acknowledging increasingly uh, that he has really messed this one up uh, and it doesn't seem like he's intending to change course anytime soon.
Finally this week on See You in Hell, a segment that celebrates the deaths of right-wing figures in history, we got a twofer, one from Argentina and the other from the United States. We're going to start with Argentina. Uh, the dead right-winger is Jorge Rafael Videla Redondo, uh, usually known as Videla. Uh, he's an Argentine general and a dictator uh, during the initial phase of the Dirty War. Uh, the Dirty War being a period in Argentine history um, coinciding with its most recent military dictatorship, 1976 to 19. 83. Uh, Videla joined the Argentine army in 1942. Uh, he rose ranks pretty mild-manneredly, or at least relatively mild-manneredly, uh, until he was appointed by Isabel Perón, um, who was uh, Juan Perón's last wife and also vice president until Juan Perón's death. Uh, to the top military position in 1975. Uh, so uh, Videla was the top uh, military leader, uh, the leader of the Argentine army in 1975. Uh, at exactly this time, uh, Argentine politics was extremely chaotic in the wake of Juan Perón's death. He had just so recently returned to the country uh, in order to be the president for a second time, uh, some, you know, almost 25 years uh, after his uh earlier stint as president uh, in the mid-40s to the mid-50s. And so in the wake of all of this uh, political turmoil and also Isabella Perón's own sort of right-wing turn, uh, there was a military uh, coup. They were forming a junta. Uh, with uh, Videla at the top, uh, but it always remained a junta. You know, he was he was not like a single dictator uh, in a Pinochet style. Uh, this military junta uh, came to be known as the uh, process of national reorganization, the proceso, uh, which is a terrifying name uh, for a military could have. Uh, and that is because it was a terrifying government. Uh, this is the government that was responsible for uh, disappearing people. Uh, disappearing people means that the military and its uh, civilian militia allies would uh, ki- kidnap people uh, from their homes, from their streets, um, from schools, from churches, and take them to secret prisons uh, in order to torture and often kill them. Uh, they would often dispose of the bodies either uh, by you know, disposing of them in mountains or by uh, dropping them in rivers or most uh, famously the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, These people were called uh, disappeared because the government would not acknowledge uh, that they had been kidnapped uh, or that they had been killed. Uh, They would not acknowledge knowing where these people were at all. Uh, And so their uh, their torture, their killing was completely secret. Uh, And it took the work of thousands of people uh, from Argentina and from around the world uh, trying to document these cases. Uh, Over 30,000 people in Argentina were killed uh, by this military dictatorship, many of them under Videla's watch. Um, He then lost power uh, in an internal military struggle uh, late in the dictatorship. Uh, This happened before uh, Argentina's uh, ill-fated invasion of the Malvinas Islands, the Falkland Islands, uh, and their war uh, against the United Kingdom, which was uh, currently being uh, ruled by Margaret Thatcher. So uh, Videla kind of recedes into the background until the return of democracy in Argentina. Um, After the return of democracy, he and uh, several other military leaders were tried and convicted uh, for their human rights abuses, for their for their murders and killings. And he was imprisoned for five years until 1990, uh, until he was pardoned by the new president of Argentina, Menem. Uh, which is one of the reasons that people, uh, well, a lot of Argentines don't like uh, Menem. Um, he was pardoned, um, and again, 
returned to, you know, free life um, until uh, the Kirshner administration, the Nestor Kirshner administration. Uh, he was tried again in 2010 uh, and convicted in 2012, uh, this time not primarily for the um, disappearances and murders, uh, but specifically for one of the practices of the processor government, which was to to steal the children of uh, women who had been held uh, by the military dictatorship uh, who were pregnant either prior to their imprisonment or uh, who became pregnant during their imprisonment, um, some of those cases through sexual assault. Um, Videla was uh, tried and charged with his guilt in this horrific, disgusting practice. Um, he was put in jail uh, where he died uh, of a brain hemorrhage, uh, which he suffered from slipping in the shower uh, this week in history, 17th of May, 2013. Now for something quite different, a well, someone who did participate in uh, mass murdering governments, but from a quite different angle, we have in the United States, Roger Ailes. Uh, Roger Ailes was a television executive and the CEO of Fox News and uh, throughout his political career, a media guru for the Republicans uh, from Nixon to uh, Reagan to H.W. Bush uh, to Rudy Giuliani. Uh, Ailes started his career in television right after college uh, and was, a, you know, a sort of like local news media producer. He got into politics after a conversation, a personal conversation with Richard Nixon uh, when Nixon was running for the presidency in 1968. Uh, this led to Roger Ailes working uh, with the Nixon campaign as their television executive producer. Uh, he then created a, a career as a political media consultant uh, for the Republican Party, uh, where he pioneered a lot of these sensationalist media blitz practices uh, that go on in modern political campaigns. Uh, Ailes is famous in part uh, for what he calls the uh, orchestra pit strategy. Uh, his, his, his quip here is that if you got two candidates on a stage and one of them says, uh, you know, I have a solution for the Middle Eastern crisis and the other one falls in the orchestra pit, who's going to make the evening news? Uh, so he was manipulating the news cycle intentionally in order to create uh, sensationalist stories uh, that would advance his um, his client's agendas. Uh, after working in politics as a political consultant, he became the CEO of Fox News in 1996 and part of the rise of the right-wing media as uh, a mainstream uh, political part of the United States. Uh, he then left that position in the wake of several uh, sexual harassment allegations uh, from many female employees at Fox, many of them themselves uh, famous television presenters on that network. Uh, this was exposed in several books and also several court cases and sensationalized most recently in the uh, movie Bombshell. Uh, Roger Ailes died of complications uh, from his lifelong uh, struggle with hemophilia uh, after a fall uh, this week in history, May 18th, 2017. Uh, so, uh, Videla and Ailes, we will see you in hell. That was 15 Minutes of Fascism, a sadly topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. I'm Craig Johnson, thanking Sleepy Kitty Arts and Sleepy Kitty Music for our intro, outro, and graphics. Uh, if you found this podcast helpful, educational, interesting, please share it with friends, family, and comrades. Uh, leave a review on iTunes or whatever the thing you listen to this podcast on is. Um, and if you found it particularly interesting this week, uh, check out my Patreon at patreon.com slash 15 Minutes of Fascism. That's 15 Minutes of Fascism all one word. All right, I'll talk to you next week.